2: Here's a message from friends of the show.
0: My name is Nick
2: Perrin and I'm an actor, writer, and game master. And on Tabletopd, I talk with an expert game master every week to find out the best ways to run amazing games and tell epic stories. Looking to start DMing? Or maybe you've been a game master for a long time and want to spice up your table? Then this podcast is for you. Tabletopd is released on Mondays wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome everybody to today's episode. So we are going to be stepping behind the screen a little bit again and talking some game craft tonight where we're going to be talking about sidekicks and we're going to get into kind of how we're going to define those in a minute here. But before we dive into our episode proper, Mr. Miller, Mr. Myers, good evening. Nice to see you all. Hope things are well in your respective wherever you happen to be. I know where you are, Lewinika, but I have no idea where the hell you are, Glenn. And I never know. So, so, so.
3: That's because I'm sneaky. No, we're still we're still in Virginia, just a little outside of Virginia Beach for about another two weeks. And we'll be headed towards Maryland, which should be a good time. Excellent. It's been a little bit warmer down here in Virginia than I'm quite used to this early in the year, so I might be crying a little bit and a little bit pink. <laughs> it's okay. I'm still here. I'm ready. I'm excited. I want to talk about sidekicks. kicks. <laughs> well, that was a I, terrible I, I coach that, uh, Boomer.
0: Yeah. That was terrible. terrible. That, that, was,
2: that was awful. I, I will say that the that the allergies that you were dealing with and then that Lou and Nico was dealing with last week have now found their way to Maine. Oh my goodness, today the people that come to mow the lawn here at the house came by. And afterwards, it was like it was freaking snowing all of the dandelion seeds. And it like floated for hours in the backyard. I was like, oh, this is not good. This is just gonna this is gonna kill me. This is awful. That's was an incredible number of, of of dandelion seeds in our backyard. Today it was. Close
3: astounding. up all the windows, seal the doors, crank up the AC. Yeah,
2: I'm down in the basement, which is the coolest spot in the house. And even with the windows closed, even that didn't help. Miserable, uh, just
0: terrible. I got to tell you, there is a reason, as much as I love actually being outdoors, there's a reason why pretty much May through September, I'm not. And what you just mentioned is that reason. I, like, it does not react well with me. I'm not good in the heat. And I am absolutely <laughs> not good. I had, I literally, the it was warm enough the last couple months that I had to update my inhaler a month early. That's how bad it was recently. And huh. it, Almost took me out last week. However, I had plans. There was dicey <laughs> rolls. There were alien species for Star Trek crews to visit, and there are young students at a local high school that needed to learn how to play STA. Those are actually two separate events, and. As a result of that, I persevered. I knocked it out of the park. I went and got all the all the antibiotics from the doc's office, fought off my ick, and came back with a thunder. Did a learn to play at my local shop, Citadel Game Cellar, had an absolute blast with a bunch of folks, had some walk-ins people very interested in the game and it was grand fun learned a lot which i will be talking about on the show and in various aspects and if anybody wants to hit me up on online i'll definitely let you know like the nuances i figured out because i've run the same starter adventure now three times and I have learned a lot about the STA game just from running that same adventure three times with three different groups of people. Yeah. So there's some fantastic information that I picked up, and then cool. on top of that, I got a chance to show off some Star Trek stuff. Some of my some of my some of my Star Trek gear that I have for the STA game at HHLS went back to HHLS Technical High School in Connecticut because their simulation club, their role playing group club they had a family board game night and then they i was invited to come up And do a thing So I came up And there wasn't time Because it was a relatively short event To run an adventure But there was time To show people how to build characters Talk about STA Go over some of the mechanics A lot of the things that we talked about In some of our episodes last month Went through that But I talked with a number of folks Two of the young gentlemen in that club That gamed with us When we were at the convention last November They were there They said hello gentlemen They absolutely loved the show They were talking to me about it and one of them is growing in his gm storyteller skills he talked about that a lot and i said it as a response to a i think it was on twitter but i said or it might have been on a facebook post what was what's your favorite thing about the star trek adventures game i said honestly it's the look on new players face that the look in their eyes when they realize what this game allows them to do once they make that connection, you just you can see the change in their face, the change in their eyes at that very same moment. And I get to see a piece of that just by talking about the game, not even playing it. And that's yeah. just absolutely great. That's yeah.
2: Really cool. Uh, let's dive in here and start, start peeling back the layers on sidekicks. And so I think let's. I think we prefer hero, hero support. support. I'm sensing I'm not. I'm sensing I'm losing. I'm missing in joke with
3: this so it's the same thing from my sidekicks that i yelled earlier it's working off of the sky high movie yeah (laughs) poor armstrong has two superhero parents and no powers when he goes to superhero high school it's very tragic
2: yeah i i know the movie you're talking about i have not seen that though yeah yeah, i know Kurt russell
0: and it's not even that he has two superhero parents he has the ultimate
3: with like the Hero pinnacle, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Like they, are the superheroes. Everybody,
2: yeah. up, like if Superman is, like,
3: and Wonder Woman got together. That's them.
0: Fine,
2: Hero support then. But I think you no. Know, to start a little bit here, something that kind of occurred to me literally after we started recording is that I want to make sure that the three of us are talking about the same thing when we talk about our kind of perception of how sidekicks kind of fit into the game and everything like that. And
3: and I'm gonna go out on a limb, yeah. and if you're trying to get us all on the same page, right now before we start,
2: it's yeah. Late. I know it might be too late, but that's, that's, it is somewhat like herding cats. Once we hit the big blue button and it just rolls like that's, who knows what's going to happen. So I guess I, so having the microphone though, I think I will start and just say that one of the big things that I'm going to draw a line between tonight is what is a sidekick and what is an NPC and that the big difference for me is that an NPC is normally something that comes adventuring with you versus a sidekick which is someone that you can designate to do things while you're off adventuring. And I feel like that's the dynamic between those two things. We can get into that a little bit more, especially you mentioned like Star Trek Adventures. I think that there's some things in there, but if you think about Star Trek Adventures, right, if you if I'm doing a prolonged task and I'm the chief of engineering, the engineering department, they're all sidekicks. They're all off camera. They're all doing their thing. We may interact a little bit, but they're off camera doing their thing while off on the away mission saving so-and-so from a big dad. So that's how I look at what a sidekick is in scope. But I'm curious to go ahead and see if you guys agree with me or if you kind of look at them differently. Glenn, what about you? Yeah. No, I see you shaking I your head no. So, I,
3: yeah. I definitely don't. I see where you're going, but uh, so for me, sidekick automatically brings up things from my youth. It brings up Robin. All right. It brings up Superboy didn't actually work that way, well, but.
2: I would actually argue that Robin it, was not a sidekick, but that's a separate issue.
3: Fair, but he was at first when he was training, right?
2: All right, fair. Okay, all right.
3: Okay. So to me, what makes the difference between an NPC and a sidekick? A sidekick can come adventuring with you, or a sidekick could be sent on another mission if it's really important that you need to get a, a message to the Duke in, that's three counties over, and you send him off to do that, or he could also come adventuring with you. To me, the difference is, An NPC doesn't have a personal relationship to a character and a sidekick does. Hmm. If you're just the wagon master that's leading the caravan, you're an NPC. But if you're my character's boyhood friend who happens to come adventuring with me, you're a sidekick.
2: So, like, thinking about when we played through A Divine Calling, right? So, when my character decided that they were dating Glenn, your character's sister, that mm-hmm. took your sister from an NPC to a sidekick.
3: She was yes. already my sister, so she was already a sidekick. She was already your sidekick. Slash yes. NPC. Okay. So, right. she was yes. an, she was an NPC, but for her to step into sidekick hood, you're not wrong. She needs yeah. that little extra something to bring her to the forefront of the story instead of just being my sister. And yes, you deciding to date her helped her bridge that gap. And now she was yep. a sidekick, not just to you either at that point, because right. once it was acknowledged that she was working with us, I got yeah. to use her with my relationship a little bit sidekicky too. So yeah. that, that, that's how I see it. And okay. then you have stranger NPCs too, but sure. when, they, when they have an, a vested interest in the party and the group and they're working with you, not for you, mm. they're a sidekick. Ah, okay. All right. Interesting. They can work for you, too, if they're, like, a devoted yeah. Alfred. Yeah. Right.
2: Alfred is, like, exactly. Alfred's a great sidekick. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. One uh, of the best. Yeah. What, so what about you, Monica? What I mean, are you more on my side or more on Glenn's side or somewhere somewhere in the middle?
0: I probably more on Glenn's side of it, but I think I have a better a framework that might encapsulate the nature of this part of our discussion. So a couple definitional definition things. One, definitional? all, yeah, definitional.
3: Because I, I make up words.
0: Well, would you Welcome define to tabletop?
3: That Let's look that one up in the dictionary. Yeah. Let's get the definition of definition. Well, oh, definitional. Definitional. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to Tabletop Journeys. Welcome, yeah. travelers. I'm Leo yeah. Anika, and I make up words. I'll um, be taking you definitional after
3: the call. So wait, yeah. you did not make up a word. Definitional is in the dictionary relating to the Are you kidding me? of a word <laughs> or
0: a concept. <laughs> That's, that's, <laughs> that's hot that, ladies and gentlemen children of all ages wonderful humans that the there is found a natural 20. On that's, that's a natural 20 um, you know what yeah that's that i we drop I, the mic i'm out i, I told you back earlier back. i told
2: you earlier in the week that i had the first time that i've ever given you this particular compliment because you told me how to pronounce something correctly and now accidentally stumbled into a correct word i don't i i, I don't even know a what i'm doing squirrel finds an
3: acorn once in a while.
0: hey some right. folks walk into greatness <laughs> a few of us trip into that bad boy <laughs> <laughs> so anyway let me let me stop laughing some definitionals yeah and give my thought here i look at this as a matter of definitions first of all all sidekicks are npcs but not all npcs are sidekicks that's where i absolutely agree with glenn that's where i think my definition kind of starts with so a sidekick is a specific type of npc the type of npc that it covers when you decide something moves from npc to sidekick is based on the role they serve in your adventure your story or your campaign so it's about that role and glenn spoke to this and even you danced around this as well but so again i'm going to try to add some framework to this if you have that wagon master and it's that's the wagon master or in the star trek example if you have the person who's just sitting at the console that's just the person sitting at the console next next to data a couple episodes in that same person is now in the transporter room and it's transporter chief they're still an npc two season or two seasons or a season later they're still in that transporter room and your xo will Riker, after swinging his leg over chair walks in and says chief o'brien can you beam us down to the planet now he's got a name now we're in that position where are they an npc are they something more by the time you get one more season deep, and, and they and have been in three or four or five episodes, and have a speaking line in each of them, and some agency in each of them, and you're noticing some character development in each of them, and they're still on the same side or still working along with your characters, now we're talking sidekick. And then eventually that can move into something else. In the Star Trek Adventures kind of game, that's what we call supporting character. But they went from an NPC to a supporting character. They eventually moved into another show where they became a main character. I think in any high fantasy game or D&D, certainly the rules that appear in some of the various books, like Tasha's, and that come out of Eberron and other things like that, I think that's the definitional line they're looking for.
3: The way you were describing it, which was great, helped me add a little bit more to what I had said before in my mind. It becomes a sidekick when they have a vested interest in the party and what they're doing. That wasn't accurate. I knew where I was trying to go. My words were just incomplete, and it has an ant. And also, the party or someone in the party is taking a venture- vested interest in them. And I have an example because I knew we were talk- going to talk about examples in my Rifts game that I ran forever ago. The French Canadian ex-military officer, your connection to the Tundra Rangers. Oh yeah, uh, I don't the- remember her first name. Her last name was Beauchamps, and that's what everybody called her because we we're pseudo military. She was yeah. just a comic sideline NPC until that one time where she rolled up into combat with y'all by accident. And for some reason, my dice were hot for her and I kept dropping guys and you guys decided she was a sniper and everybody was cheering her on. And then it just happened that she wound up in a combat again. And that time again, my dice were hot. And the next thing, you know, I'm giving her levels and she's becoming a marksman and she was becoming part of the team. And that's when she became a sidekick. Absolutely. Because you guys took an interest in her beyond just being she had the opportunity to shine. But beyond just being that NPC connection character who was there all the time, she started becoming part of the group when you guys interacted with her and liked her and cheered her on. And we're like, oh, yeah, potions. it was great. <laughs> and that's my example.
0: I actually okay. made it. I actually made a Hero Forge character for her at one point because I thought she was absolutely brilliant. I loved that character. I loved the interaction. The voice you did for her was was awesome.
3: Except if yeah, my ones. French accent always turned into something Scottish. Oh, yeah. It, the was game. it was terrible.
0: She was terrible. But as bad as it was, absolutely memorable. Side note for everybody. doesn't matter if your accent's good. Do them anyway because people remember the good, the funny ones.
3: It doesn't have to be that's, a cheesy accent. You can just come up with a new voice quality for a new character. Yeah. Zendred doesn't it, have Zendred on streams of Spiro doesn't have a specific accent, but Trish tells me she loves my Zendred voice.
0: Yep. and a, it, we'll do an episode on this at some point. But a lot of times, it's just t- changing the speed at which you talk, pacing. the toner, toner tempo. But that's a that's a that's a discussion for another episode. Josh, yeah. you were saying about well, sidekicks? Uh, yeah. So no, this because that's
2: actually really valuable because it's helping me understand more specifically about how you guys are approaching it. But it is raising, it if only because when I think about a sidekick, I think about something, again, totally different. And I think that my my opinion on sidekicks, when we were rapping about this earlier, Luminika, you mentioned World of Darkness, and I had literally reached for my old World of Darkness books because I was thinking about in second and third edition World of Darkness, when you're dealing with like, Influences and backgrounds and the work that we did with those particular mechanics to say, I have financial influence, but it's not just a number on the page, like it is actually... Tangible people in the yep. game that I have working for me. Yep. That's more what I think about when I think about sidekicks. And when we're going to be doing an entire episode on NPCs next week, we'll get more into this. But I guess yep. I did want to float out the question here. If you think, if you're thinking about Beauchamps, right, I can totally understand the argument saying that character went from a minor NPC to a major NPC or even a notable NPC, like going up the chain. Yeah. So, where do you think, and, and I think maybe this is a question for, the, for both of you, where do you think sidekicks fit on that spectrum of NPCs, right? Like, where, like obviously, they're more than minors, right? Because you talk about Chief O'Brien. Chief O'Brien was at first a minor NPC and then became a major NPC. But was he ever actually anybody's sidekick? And I guess maybe, because again, he was like, O'Brien was never the one on the away missions, right? He was always the one manning the transporter to go ahead and make sure the away
0: missions could get home, which is what I view as a side. That's where I see the difference. That is a brilliant question. And I think it it illustrates the difference between Star Trek as an IP and the Star Trek game, STA, and other tabletop games. I'm going to answer this question in two ways. Way one is specifically about the character you mentioned, O'Brien. Because STA doesn't have sidekicks as a mechanic, and they really don't have something that's exactly that, they have the supporting character, character type. Yep. That is the analog for sidekicks, but it is not exactly the same. Right. And that analog right. mirrors the series, which is what you just described. So you're correct. Right. I think in many situations, because he's not working for somebody specifically, right. he doesn't fit the sidekick textbook definition. But in for the purpose of the discussion, he's still fulfilling that role. He's still a person who was 100% dm control didn't really have a lot of personal agency until player characters started interacting with him more and more. And as player characters interacted with him, then he had to get a story arc. So for me, it changes from NPC to sidekick when they start having a story arc and interaction. It's not one or the other. It's got to be both. So they become very much in concert when both of those things are humming and the characters are clamoring. We got to see him again. When when your television station gets 40,000 letters, hey, let me see that uh, transporter guy again because we really like him. That's when it starts moving into the edge line. It's not as straight a line as a discussion like this will make it to be, but it's a feeling that you have. Now, in the 5e game, they have a mechanic for it. So you can literally just make one. A party can say, I want one. Can we make one? And yes, you can do it that way. I personally think it works better if it happens organically. My example for this is when in my Barstock Chronicles, they were in this one city. Bunch of things happened. The town guard came in. They had a, it was a big problem. Like the player characters were on trial. Things were going bad. They were almost arrested. But one of the town guard liked the party. And that had to do with some roles that the paladin had made in game. And so he had a favorable view of the party. When the court case got cleared up, they were exonerated and all of that because they liked the character and it was a stat block that I had and a character voice that was easy for me to do. Whenever they interacted with the town guard, he tended to be the person who did that. After a couple of sessions of this, I gave him a rank and a name. And he was the son of the captain of the guard. And later on, I killed the captain of the guard. They took pity on the fact that this guy lost his dad in a battle that they were a part of or whatever. And they talked about him some more. So then when they were leaving, he said, look, I can't do this job anymore. The police are too corrupt around here. The town guards too corrupt. I like what you do. Can I come along with you? Now, mechanically, part of that was we had lost uh, a couple players from the regular game. And they were down at least a fighter. This guy happened to be a fighter. It was right after those sidekick mechanics came up. So I started using those sidekick mechanics, and it made him a decent enough character that could never outshine the party but could always aid the party in these conflicts. So nobody had to change the course of the character they wanted because they needed a battle-ready character. But nobody had to say, I don't want to be X anymore because we don't have enough frontline fighters. I literally took something that was organically growing anyway, slid it into that role for the party. And later on, when the party no longer needed that role and they made some bad role playing decisions, that character <laughs> left them and is now an adversary. So they had a sidekick who was with them for a long time, very Jason Todd. And then he's, and then at a later point in the game, he's I'm out of there. And at some point he's going to come back. There's no spoilers. There or surprises. They're well aware that the mistakes they made are definitely coming back to bite them.
3: Hmm.
0: And I say that biting because that character is now a damn fear. Yeah,
3: And that's <laughs> fantastic because that's directly related to what I'm talking about. Cause that investment, both in the party and for the NPC to have back to the party, that emotional piece is the puppet string that lets you pull your party too. And that's part of the the distinction as well between a sidekick and an NPC. And to me, to answer Josh's question from originally, a sidekick can land anywhere in the scope of how serious an NPC it is. It can be an NPC that you only see when you come to town, like in Critical Role, the shopkeeper that Vax is half in love with. He's not really part of the story at all. He doesn't do a whole lot except for in this last season where he gave them a bunch of free magical items after a shop gets destroyed he doesn't do a whole lot to aid them, but there is clearly a relationship that, and they can go to them when they want. That makes him a sidekick instead of just an NPC. If well. they didn't care about the fighter that Lee Winika was bringing up, if they had no interest in that guy, it just happened to be the convenient voice for Lee Winika to use as the guard, the face of the guard, if they didn't, the party didn't show an interest in him, he wouldn't make a good sidekick. He wouldn't make Mm -hmm. a good let's step him up and bring him with the party because then he's just an NPC that you're tagging along to be their tank as opposed to someone they like, someone they trust, Mm -hmm. someone they care about, someone that could die in a horribly tragic scene later in life after they become really attached to him.
0: Or somebody that they would give up the MacGuffin to go save or give risk themselves, or, yes. or risk themselves for, or give up the big bad, give up finishing off the big bad, because they have one choice: cast the heal, or stop the bad guy. When you've got a player a character who says, "Screw that bad guy, I'm healing this person," you have a sidekick.
2: Yeah, so. Two things then that I want to go ahead and and this is really super helpful to help shape my definition because I'm realizing that I think our definitions are actually closer than I originally thought when we first started talking. NPCs and sidekicks are... They are the same type of thing, but it's not one spectrum where NPCs represent the whole and a sidekicks are a piece of it. It's two different spectrums because you can have a, mi- a minor major or notable sidekick or you can have a minor major or notable NPC and they're just they're similar but different things and that the difference is how the party the party relationship to them and their relationship to the party. So I'm like thinking back to right. so if we think about the arch enemies, right when we were running through the D&D game with our Patreons, right? Zilvarin is a notable NPC that many of the players are related to in various ways. Some ways they know, some ways they don't know. But I would never consider him a sidekick. I would always. He was Correct. firmly an NPC, and I so I, I think where, where I was falling into is it's not that a sidekick is an elevated form of NPC. It's that NPCs and sidekicks are the same type of thing, and they have their own spectrums, and they're re- they're related. There's maybe some crossover, but it's not that one is either an NPC or a sidekick.
3: They're, but your two are, NPCs that were bouncing around the Fey Realms with the party were on were their very, way towards becoming sidekicks. People very much cared sidekicks. About them. People yeah, Didn't yeah. want them to go down.
0: Yeah. I would say when we were in the adventure where we started giving up attack, when we were in the amphitheater, yep. and I forget the name of the one that was under the stairs. Yes, yeah, she day. was
3: under the stairs. Tirihana, yes.
0: yeah. Yeah. And everybody was like breaking their necks to get to her, yeah. myself included. Yeah. That was the moment that she stopped being an NPC and became just a an NPC, kid. right? Yeah. Because, so, otherwise, that, yeah. again, and, and it's the same situation. At the point you're giving up the mechanical. I have to stop this fight by beating the bad guy to yep. save this NPC who's not a player yep. character. Yeah. That's when you have that interaction that I'm talking about. That's when lightning hits the primordial soup and life is born. Yep. You know, so- that, that that's, that's the genesis yeah. of that for me. Yeah. And
2: so the first thing is that that's a realization that now I'm having that that I had thought going into this that they were one spectrum, and it's really not one spectrum, it's two different spectrums, and there is interaction between them, but they're distinct things that are very tightly related, thing one. Do you want early access to every Tabletop Journeys episode? How about exclusive content? live broadcasts and the chance to throw dice with your favorite hosts and fellow fans or heck do you just want to support the show join our patreon today at www.patreon.com slash ttjourneys we have tiers to fit any budget for a monthly commitment or you can make a one-time contribution to the cause we love doing the show for y'all and support helps us keep creating and producing great content for you So join us today at www.patreon.com slash ttjourneys. But thing two, and I think that all of us agree on this, is that to a larger extent than NPCs, sidekicks are fabulous fodder for storytellers. There are so many ways that once a party is invested in that way, to take a character, to take a non-player character, and really get emotionally invested, like Tiriana, where you were, you decided to go ahead and run into a dark cavern to go ahead and save her without knowing what it was that dragged her in there. That's just it's just foolish, but because of the relationship that you had with her, and because one of them had, I, I think it was Seifel, the other one that had already died at one point and come back and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, you guys were invested in making sure that these two stayed alive in a way that NPCs are not necessarily plot devices sidekicks are. And it's because you can go ahead and pull on those emotional strings that the players have built to the sidekicks. And I think that that's fabulous. The example that I wrote down here, even using like my definition of sidekick where it's like, they're not coming adventuring with us. They're off doing other things while we're off doing the adventures. But the example that I had here is that your sidekick is spying on the local thieves guild. If they succeed, valuable intelligence. Isn't that fantastic? And then the kind of the other side of that coin is that sidekick gets caught spying on a local noble. If he gets caught, bad role he's in jail both of those things have tremendous storyteller angles to go ahead and play in maybe the local thieves guild just let the sidekick go and now your party has made an enemy of the thieves guild because you were spying on them and maybe now you have to rescue that sidekick from jail because the and the nobles holding them on charges and that kind of thing so it's all about how you It's all about to use the SCA vernacular because we've been talking so much SCA. It's just how you use the threat to add that complication to what Mm -hmm. that sidekick is doing. It's when O'Brien can't get the pattern lock on the target and the stuff that they're beaming up to the ship gets malformed by the transporter or one of the people Mm -hmm. gets malformed or whatever. It's how the sidekick's connection to the party evolves the story. And I think that we can all agree that that's, that's the critical difference between what is an NPC and what is a sidekick.
3: Absolutely. And if you have a character who, a player, that's more accurate. And if you have a player who lives for the drama that you're going to create and the heartstrings you're going to tug on, you can create amazing scenes. Yes, you are the (laughs) example of this story yet again, Lewinika. But you got to have the right player, because if you do what I did to Lewinika with the wrong player, it'll go horribly bad. But in that same Rifts campaign, he had a childhood best friend who he gets reunited with. They actually rescue him. And they get to adventure together for a while and rekindle that some of that bond and be really good friends. But we also have kind of a zombie apocalypse going on in the background of my Rifts world, all because Scott's character wanted to be a one-armed Mexican bounty hunter who killed zombies. <laughs> zombie hunter, zombie hunter. So I invented a version of zombies that were contagious to exist in Rifts Earth. And they were evolving because of the magic of the Rifts and the ley lines hmm. and all that. But at any rate, short version is... In an epic battle scene, end of a season fight, he goes down and he gets bit and Lee Wanika's there and he's all mangled and messed up, And but they both know he's going to die and they both know he's going to turn and Lee Wanika's at the table like on the edge of his seat and about it and he played the whole scene out perfectly and he couldn't kill his friend and his friends, no, I got it, I can do this myself, I don't want you to watch and so he turns around and walks away. Oh. ever knowing if he dies, and if the game had continued further than it did, he was going to come back as a zombie boss because Leo didn't make sure he was down. Sure, it would have been yeah. fantastic. But the, been the scene was <laughs> epic and heartbreaking. And yeah, it was. It was game making. It was great.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I did the same kind of thing actually with, with the player at my game, not with a physical person though. And a lot of this I did take information about the player and use it to my advantage, right? But I happen to know that the player has a fondness for cute animals. And by cute animals, any animal, because all animals are cute. And so they had, they'd had they come to this town and we'd done this fantastic collaborative world building thing. And one of the things that they had come up with is that there was this bazaar, this marketplace. And one of the shops in the marketplace was an exotic animal dealer, right? And so I, on the fly, came up with this Half lion, half snake creature that they found. It was like in its like its infancy. And this player and this character, the character that that they were playing, instantly fell in love with it and very much wanted it. And like it had that emotional connection. Um, And it wound up, as it grew, it wound up being a horribly poisonous, basically. It would chew through cropland, trying to think that it had to be. Hunted down and killed, basically, totally mercilessly. But like in that moment, you, like, you passed Oh, totally! I, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> but like in that moment, the character was so in love with this creature, and honestly, the entire reason why it wound up turning bad is because, in in a nod to Gremlins, when they when they bought the creature, the shopkeep said, "You just can't get it wet." That's the only thing. And then the next thing that happens is that the players decide. I decided maybe led them in this direction, but they wound up getting on a boat to go from point A to point B, horrible storm, horrible shipwreck. Um, and the creature winds up getting wet. And so I need to decide, okay, what happens when this thing gets wet? And that's where kind of the rest of it was born. All that to go ahead and say that it had, it, so it was a creature. So it wasn't really even an NPC, but it had that like sidekicky feel to it where it's like, there's right. an emotional connection to the player and everything like that. It had the strings that you could go ahead and pluck to go ahead and, and really drive some plot in an emotional way to the character. Uh, and so, is, uh, is, is fun.
3: No, it doesn't have to be human. In fact, I personally think that, in terms of D and D, the world of D and Five E, that the hunter's pet should be a sidekick as opposed to a static NPC with no death saves. Because of that very fact, it doesn't yeah. have to be human. You can have, you could have a trained attack dog that becomes so enamored to the party and everybody loves them. doesn't have to be an attack yep. dog it could be a guard dog a trained animal and that works perfectly as long as everybody's got that emotional attachment that yeah. stake
2: that was something that we like when we worked on the beast mind ranger for the last book that we did that was something that we very yeah. much kept in mind is that how to go ahead and make the connection between a ranger and their pet stronger and better and more personal right.
3: so good Rules based presented in Tasha's actually let you take an animal and turn them into a sidekick that has a full three death saves just like a player character. So I think that the rule set of 5e is already moving in that direction, but the core book hasn't been rewritten yet. Sure. And we'll see how much that changes and the next <laughs> evolution of the exact same edition that somehow changes.
0: With the 5e mechanics, the way this works is start with. Any stat block you want. I believe they actually suggest that it's a stat block that's...
3: CR one C- half or less.
0: Yeah, CR one half or less. I personally homebrew it can be anything up to a CR one. Just make sure it's level appropriate for wherever your party is starting. But at any rate, you start with a stat block. And then you add one of three sidekick templates. Each of those templates provide certain things that can grow with it. So you can take the uh, the dog as an example because that's a great one to use you take the mastiff stat block make it a sidekick pick one of those templates which basically determine what this job's role for you as a as a party on for so if you want it to be more of a warrior role there's a template that would cover that if you want it to be more like well, the saint bernard with the with the little uh, quart of liquid of brandy on it around and it runs around Helping you in some ways, you could choose a template for that. Different things. If you take a scout or a uh, temple guard or a any of those stat blocks, you pick up Gabi the Goblin. You can pick one of those. If Gabi the Goblin's a shaman, there's a template for that as well. So you take whatever stat block you want. You take whatever template goes with that. Mash those together. You put those things on top of each other, and it provides some additional abilities to the stat block, you as a GM or storyteller have now created a brand new stat block for this thing, for this character. Now, as the party levels, games experience—if you're doing experience points, this thing will get some level of experience. There's a t- probably a table or calculation for that to go on to the party. I don't play experience points anymore, so I didn't actually look at that part of the rules. But if you milestone I can the party, sum it. It, it's very simple. Yeah.
3: Every time they love. Every time the party levels, on average. The subject yeah. levels. That's the way it's written. That's it.
0: Yeah. At the end of the day, it should work very similar to. Regardless of where the sidekick starts in comparison to the party, as the party levels, they are so. If the party picks up a sidekick, they're fifth level. When they become six, the sidekick now gets one level of one new level of sidekick. Right, so they continue to level with them. That gives them new hit points. It d- provides other bonuses. It eventually gives them certain features, depending on that template you choose. And it grows with the party, so it stays commensurate to the party. And because you can use any stat block, you can get the type of sidekick you would like. So I think it's a brilliant mechanic. A sidekick works really great if you want to do something along the lines similar to what they did in third edition, like you get followers. If you wanted to bring that into 5e, as opposed to having to come up with a whole new character class or thing, you could basically use the sidekick for the leader of your your follower army. So it could be, I own a household. My sidekick is my Seneschal, my Alfred, if you will. And he runs the rest of the staff, right? So you may have a, a, a keep that has a bunch of warriors, but the leader of those warriors is this is this sidekick. And that's a way to express this idea. And I think it's a really strong mechanic. My only gripe with Watsi on this mechanic is, one, wasn't as well supported as they should have or could have gone with this. They could have made feats and other features specifically geared towards sidekicks so that you had things that were cool for sidekicks to get and they really didn't. The other thing that they didn't do is they never fully supported this digitally. And I think the reason why it was probably not as well adopted despite being well regarded was because at no point and to date can you build a sidekick easily in dnd beyond you cannot go to dnd beyond generate a sidekick yes you can manually make it and then yes you can create a stat block and build that into that but that's not very user-friendly it doesn't allow you to level it up easily you literally have to create a new stat block every time they level up That none of that's easy if they had built the tools to support the mechanic they created i guarantee you it would have been better adopted because i as a GM, actually held off almost six months, put, bringing them into the game because I was waiting for the tool to be there so I didn't have to reinvent the wheel. When I realized it wasn't going to be there, I just reinvented the wheel and got very frustrated with them and basically set up a timer to remind them in the on forums once a month, once every couple of months, hey, when are you going to do this? Before they finally said, we're never going to do it. They actually said that they're never going to do it. So,
2: I want to go ahead and talk about another game system and how they handle sidekicks. And it's not a system that we talk about a lot, but since you're talking about DD, I figure let's talk about what else, how, what other game systems kind of support the sidekicks here. And this comes from the Fate system, which again is not a system that we talk about very often. It's a fabulous system that we really should talk about more, but that's a separate issue altogether. But they have a really interesting way of handling sidekicks in terms of how they define them and what their usage is. They draw a line in the same mechanic between sidekicks and allies. And basically the definition is that a sidekick is a person. It's Alfred. um, It's Dr. Watson. It's something like that. Chief O'Brien is a sidekick versus allies, which are groups of trained individuals that are based on your history with a particular organization, right? So if you are playing a FBI agent, who can call in backup, uh, and that backup is a SWAT team. It's a five-member SWAT team, right? That SWAT team operates like its own thing as a group of allies. The other example that I was using when we were talking about STA earlier is that if I'm the engineering chief, or if even and I'm just like a, I'm the shift leader or whatever like that, and I'm going to have the engineering team retune the the engines right or run a level 1 diagnostic or whatever the engineering team functioning as a whole are allies right so i can direct them and they can go ahead and do their thing as a whole and there are benefits behind be, between being an ally versus just having a sidekick or, or not even just having a sidekick but there are pluses and minuses to both options right allies tend to be a little okay. bit more diverse where sidekicks tend to be a little bit more powerful but i wanted to know what your take was on like the that kind of that kind of change and i don't know what you think about that mechanic
0: So I've not played the fate system myself all that often. I think we had one time where we delved into it a little bit, but not much. So I don't have a great level of experience to talk on it specifically, but as far as the way in which they define it, it's not terribly dissimilar to how I define the difference between NPC and sidekick, right? It is when they're nameless, faceless, when they're just doing a job or what have you, they are... In your case, ally. In the, in the case of fate, allies. When they have a an name and they have a relationship and they're doing things and they have their, some of their own agency or what have you, th- and they are more of a fully realized character than a group of characters, that's when yeah. they become sidekicks. So yeah, I, I that's think really that's the
2: difference that allies are a group of people. It's not just one. Right. You can't have a single ally. Allies are a group of people.
3: So and, one could and, almost say and, an ally and, or a sidekick and a faction. Yeah,
0: one can make that that distinction. I think of how that expresses itself in, and I go back to television because I love television. I'm a big fan of NCIS, right? So whenever NCIS is doing a thing, it's always about that team of investigators. They're going to stop the bad guy. They identify where the bad guy is. They're about to breach a house or whatever. You always have at at least two of your agents that are breaching. You have one of your agents on the backside, but there's this group of people called the react team that are there. They actually have the big handy thing. They hit the door. You'll see them with their helmets on. And that's a great way to think about it. When you see that group of guys on a television show, they all have their helmets on. You can barely see their face. And other than, breach, 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 you don't hear any of them talk. Those are allies.
2: I am another great example. because Just because my wife and I have been watching a lot of CSI lately. So you have all your named characters in CSI, right? All like the CSI agents. But all of the sheriffs that they work with and around, they're allies. That's a group of allies. And yep. some of them you know a little bit about. And some of them they have like unique connections to. So maybe some of them approach the level of sidekicks. But for the most part, the entirety of the Las Vegas Sheriff's Department in CSI is a group of allies that they can just pull
1: from as they need.
3: Yeah. 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 That's a pretty good way to look at it, and that is a nice distinction and mechanic to specify the difference between them. It, it happens organically just because it's hard to put as much individual connection and attachment to an organization as it is a single person. And That's another difference in how they can be used, because you may have some emotional attachment to a group of allies, but it's not going to be the same. As to that one guy that you know his name and you hang out with him every day
0: yeah bringing us back to star trek adventures because it's such a player centric and narrative centric game you don't have the mechanics in the same way as you have in 5v or even the fate system what star trek adventures does to cover that same story ground is allow player characters to fill those roles as need be so that's where you have support supporting characters. And the idea with the game is a play you go to the planet, the security team are not all the player characters need to go to the planet. A couple of the player characters they may not have a job that is required on that away team mission. So they can play the security guys so everybody's in the scene. Every player is in the scene but not every main character is in the scene. In those situations They make up a supporting character that can be made very quickly or even on the fly, if not in advance. And so they might play the same security guy or a person. They could do that once or twice. And if they visit them three or four times, there are mechanics within the game where these characters advance in so much as Star Trek Adventures characters advance. And they can eventually get better. They can move into that notable NPC range and still be supporting characters. They may have bigger impact. And in the event that another a player character passes, they can pick up one of the supporting characters that are that's on board and elevate to that position. So if you've got five security people or 20 security people, you keep revisiting the same two or three security people on away missions and whatnot, your security officer passes away. That character dies on some adventure one of these three becomes the front runner to take over the job. And mm-hmm. I think that's a really nice mechanic. And again, covers the same ground, but it's a different way to mechanically express that in the game. And it definitely yeah. fits STA much better because it's not so number crunchy. There are no levels per se. It doesn't yeah. advance in the same way as a sidekick and five E would. Yeah. So it, it just has that different kind of expression, That still handles the same ground. It's still a character that's filling those roles.
2: And I think that's a really neat way of making... Because obviously SCA has NPCs, right? But the NPCs tend to be really light mechanically, right? They really don't... At least they can be. They can be pretty light mechanically. You don't really have to worry about the same things that you worry about have to worry about with a player character. And so using that additional character that you draw up is a way of taking like an NPC template, but giving it a little bit of a bump mechanically to go ahead and let it do some cool things and therefore make it a little bit more fun to play because of the episodic nature of SCA, right? Where it's like if if the XO of the ship is off doing somewhere and the player that plays the xo is there to play then it's a it's something for them to go ahead and and break out when their character may not be available for that particular episode
3: which is a fantastic mechanic it's one of my favorite ones in the innovation that is sta and part of the reason that game comes up so much is because it's such a step away from a lot of the other games we've learned previously where it was more linear crunching mechanic as opposed to set up to have cutscenes and fade to blacks and like an episode would. And that episodic nature and the way that they set it up so that everyone can always be included is part of what makes that, gra- that game so great.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. I was thinking before we close out that we can definitely give our listeners a, a, a little something for the road. Maybe each of us come up with one nice tip Regarding this conversation to better either use sidekicks from a player perspective or create and or use them from a GM perspective. So they have at least like three things they can leave this conversation with and say, I am I have the ability to implement this in my games tonight. No. So I would say one of the things that folks could take away and the number one thing from a player perspective, and Glenn has listed a couple times where it's happened for me, is this engage with your NPCs and whether your GM or storyteller is using mechanics or not, they will effectively become sidekicks anyway. Just engage, whether it be talking about your character's kid sister, whenever you're in town and you start talking to them, or it's talking to that wagon master on a regular basis. Like when you're on guard duty, hang on a swing by the wagon master, give them some extra coffee or whatever the case may be, but engage with your NPCs. Each character, if you have an NPC that you engage with, that's the potential for a sidekick. It's the potential for growth in your characters and to enrich your overall game. Yeah.
2: Just to go ahead and build on that, I think the best way that a storyteller can respond to that, that, if your players are going through the time and the investment to interact with your NPCs, then make sure, as a storyteller, that you're paying your players back for that investment. Make sure you pluck on those emotional strings a little bit. Make sure that you do your part to go ahead and strengthen those relationships and enhance the... round out those NPCs so that they have more depth. When you're talking to the Wagon Master and they're asking about the Wagon Masters family, make sure you let them know about the, the wife at home and the the kid that has polio and the, all the things like that go along with that, right? You make sure that you fill those out. And don't be afraid, again, like we said earlier, don't be afraid to use them as fodder to go ahead and advance your plot along. You can always go ahead and come up with a plot device. You can always go ahead and come up with a plot that your players are going to find interesting. But when you make that plot affect someone that they have spent time talking to or getting to know or investing in, It just makes the plot feel more real and rounder, and that will reap benefits to your players.
3: Nice. For my tidbit, I would say to pay attention to how your players interact with your sidekicks and NPCs and use that to help you develop those characters organically and help them come to life and flesh them out and make them more real. And that doesn't just mean in terms of a quick conversation or what have you, but... As an example, if you have a character who sends their sidekick off on a mission to spy on the theme, the thieves guild, like the example we gave earlier, even if they weren't already specifically going in a thiefly direction, their current mission and what they're doing is going to impact them in some fashion, whether it means they pick up more th- thiefly skills or, say, they get caught and things now go really poor, poorly for them. They could have a complete aversion now to all things stealthy and spy and want nothing to do with that kind of mission again their experiences should help develop them and your parties reacting to how their missions went and what happened to them all of that's going to help bring them to life it's going to help breathe more life into the whole thing make the emotional heartstrings just a little bit more firmly attached and it'll help make those sidekicks step out of the realm of just normal ordinary joe schmo who hangs out at camp and i like him to somebody truly legendary
2: Absolutely. Well, fun. Nicely done. All right, everybody. Thank you very much for listening. Let's see what do we got coming up next week on the channel. So on Tuesday, we are going to be continuing our actual play. We should be wrapping up our playthrough of the starter set here. And then we'll be getting into the 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 mission arc proper of Star Trek Preservations. So make sure you check out the our actual play stuff on Tuesday for that. And then next Friday on the show, we're going to bring you another State of the Table. Because news just keeps on coming out of all these major publishers in the wake of the Dungeons & Dragons OGL crisis from the beginning of the year here. So we're going to dive into the Tales of the Valiant Kickstarter, which has already launched. uh, By the uh, And then we're going to dive into uh, some of the information and controversy coming out of the Critical Role Camp about their role-playing game. And we're going to dive into Pathfinder 2's changes a little bit, as they put details on their departure from a game based on the Wizards of the Coast OGL. So... Yeah, it'd be a good time. All that to go ahead and say, hope that you enjoyed this episode. We want to hear in the comments, how do you use sidekicks in your game? Are you more like me, where you're using sidekicks as those uh, people doing tasks away from the adventuring party themselves? Or are they more integrated into your party, like Monique and Glenn? Please leave your comments. Let us know how you're using them and let us know how they're making appearances at your table. Thank you, as always, gentlemen. Thank you, as always, for everybody out there listening. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you next week.
0: Have a wonderful night, night all.
1: Peace.
2: Thank you for joining us. This has been Tabletop Journeys. We would love to hear your feedback on our show today. Join us at www.ttjourneys.com where you can subscribe to the blog to leave comments
1: and see all the content that we publish beyond the podcast. You can also stay in touch by subscribing to our Twitter, Tumblr, or Instagram at TT Journeys. Joining our Facebook group, Tabletop Journeys, or by sending an email directly to podcast at ttjourneys.com. Our full episodes come out every week on Friday and every Tuesday features actual play and gameplay showcase episodes. Looking for early access? You can support the show and get episodes before everyone else at www.patreon.com forward slash ttjourneys. Check it out today and see all the awesome benefits we bring to our supporters. Lastly, if you're listening to us on
0: Stitcher, iTunes, Podchaser, Spotify, or Audible, you would really appreciate it if you would like and subscribe the podcast on that platform thank you for listening and for being a part of our growing community and we bid you fair tides friends
1: for legends week.